Peter's enthusiasm today when he's um, jumping out of the boat kind of reminds me of uh, my own experience at times when I recognize I need to be reconciled with Jesus. How anxious I am to, to go to confession or go and be with the Lord in prayer and to find that priest and, and uh, just know that I need to be reconciled with Jesus. I've screwed up, or I've hurt someone, turned my back on God in some way. And so there's this, this desperation to heal that rift between myself and Jesus. So I see that in Peter today in the, in the gospel. It's always struck me in that passage. Peter has had time these weeks or whatever it's been to reflect on his, you know, his relationship, his failure, the night of Jesus' trial. And perhaps he's been playing those scenes in his mind over and over and thinking about them and pondering them. And, you know, he's had a couple times where Jesus has appeared and Jesus says, peace be with you. And, you know, whose sins are you forgive are forgiven and all this. So there's all this talk of Jesus sharing his mercy with him. But it seems that there's some place in Peter's heart that still remains unresolved. There's some place where he's still looking at his betrayal and seeing that. So when John says, it's the Lord, you know, when they're fishing and there's that moment of recognition where John sees that it's Jesus on the shoreline who has just spoken to them, uh, Peter can't wait to get close. You know, he jumps in the sea, he goes there, to swims, swims to shore, sort of an undignified act, you know, jumping in the water, can't wait to get there. Uh, we're just 100 yards away. Peter, can't you just wait a little bit? No, no, I've got to get there now. So he jumps in, goes to Jesus. And it's kind of beautiful to see how he's so willing to look the fool, if you will, for the sake of reaching Jesus. Peter realizes he needs Jesus in his life. He realizes uh, this and he, he doesn't stand on ceremony. He just gets, gets going and gets there. And it shows this dramatic way of, of being with Jesus in that moment. In the earlier accounts of the resurrection, uh, when they're going to the early tomb, um, when they're the empty tomb, when they're going uh, and they meet him in the upper room and so forth, we see a little difference between how Peter approaches Jesus in this moment and the way that Mary Magdalene and John the beloved disciple and the other women approach Jesus. Um, they too are seeking Jesus. They too love him. They've understood the depth of Jesus' love for, for themselves. And I think they're drawn to Jesus in that way in those moments. They're looking for him, seeking him out. They have, too, that desperation to seek Jesus. But it's a little different. There's a little different way in which they approach Jesus. They've encountered Jesus as someone who loves them and understands them. Um, Jesus understands them like no one else does. And it penetrates their heart. They, they have this conviction that this man, this Jesus that I've met, uh, there's something special about him. And I want to be close to him. We might say that Peter... In this moment, and John, the beloved disciple, represent two ways of approaching Jesus. It's probably not as simple as this in reality, you know, but for the sake of our consideration today, we might just say that Peter represents a way of approaching Jesus because of what Jesus can do for him. So Jesus can do something for him, and he's converted enough in his heart to recognize he needs what Jesus can offer him, which is Jesus' mercy. He needs that mercy. John approaches Jesus because of who Jesus is. That he's encountered in Jesus something that his soul longs for, has always longed for. Uh, there's something entailed in this relationship that he realizes, yes, I need mercy. But that's not primary for John. What is primary is his desire to be with Jesus. So that first uh, way of approaching Jesus represented by Peter is summed up in looking at ourselves and seeing how wretched we are and how much we need God's mercy. 
The second way we might sum it up is is a gazing upon Jesus and seeing how lovely Jesus is. And God will use both of these ways to draw us to him. Depending on where we are in our own walk with Jesus, Jesus will use either of these ways to reach us, to to penetrate our hearts, to try to draw us to him. The second part of the gospel today is Jesus rehabilitating Peter. So he, he leads him from the first kind of love where he recognizes his need for mercy to the second kind of love where he has just a love for Jesus. It's a beautiful transformation that we are witnesses of in the gospel. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me like I love you? So it's interesting. I have often heard this and I did a little investigation. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I could figure out a little bit. So I went to, I have a little Greek New Testament. So I went and looked at it. And indeed, the first two times Jesus speaks to Peter, he uses the word agape, which is the divine love. So Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me with the, with the love of God? Like, like I love you, basically, he's asking. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. But when he uses the word love, he uses the word uh, filio, which is referring to a friendship or a, a brotherhood. So it's, it, we would say that's a step lower than, than that agape love. So two times Jesus asks this of, of Peter. And then the third time when Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? He actually changes the word to philia, as if he's almost bargaining with, with Peter and kind of saying, I will meet you where you are. You know, I recognize you, maybe you can't give me the agape love right now, but I will meet you where you are. Do you love me as a friend, Peter? And, and of course, P- Peter says, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And um, I guess looking at where Peter's at in his own relationship with Jesus in that moment, maybe... He would have been rash enough to say, yes, I love you with divine love on on the night of the Last Supper. But in this moment, after his own experience of failing in this, maybe he's a little bit more like, Jesus, you know that I love you, but you know very well I I don't love you as well as I should, as well as I could, as as well as I wish I would. You know, I I wish I could love you like that, but I don't yet. And so Jesus meets him there, and it's it's kind of striking to, to recognize, like, Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't, um, he's never satisfied with us in our maybe lack in some way of, of loving perfectly. He always calls us on to a deeper love and a more profound love. But he meets us where we are. And then he invites us to, to come closer to him. So it's a, it's a very striking thing that we see this, this experience of Jesus speaking to Peter and drawing him to himself. It's worth us pondering today, I would say, and asking ourselves the question, why am I here? You know, why am I in church today? Why do I come to church? Why do we seek Jesus? Do I come because I fear hell? Because I know I need God's mercy? And if that's where we are, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, it works, right? It gets us here. We're, we're taking steps. That's beautiful. That's good. It's a beginning. Or do, do I come here because I love Jesus and I can't wait to be with him? That I've grown close to him? Where are we at? Maybe some days we're one and some days we're the other. I don't know. Uh, Jesus wants to transform our lives. He wants to transform our love. He wants us to love him for who he is. Not simply for what he can do for us and what he can save us from. When we are primarily focused on our need for God, our apostolic zeal, I would say 
maybe less strong or, or maybe more weak, we could say. When we focus on, on, when that focus shifts to love for God, for who he is, then our, our love becomes like God. We begin to hunger not just for ourselves to be saved or for ourselves to know God, but for others to know this love and to encounter this deep love that we have encountered ourselves. And that's what we see in the Acts of the Apostles, right? In the, in the first reading today, and as we continue to read Acts throughout the Easter season, we see this transformation in the apostles and the disciples, that they have met the risen Lord, and their hearts have, have been touched by that, and they, they have this just this great desire to go out and share this wonderful news. We see the power of God unleashed in that early uh, Christian community. And they're honored to suffer for the name, right? They're honored to suffer the name of Jesus. So, I don't know about you, but most days, maybe some days I am, but a lot of days I'm kind of like, well, okay, this is what I have to do as a Christian. I, I can suffer a little bit, but can you just make it not so bad, Lord? Can you make it a little easier? You know, I kind of bargain with God sometimes. But the Lord meets us where we are. He meets them where they are, and then he draws them deeper, right? And we can see that playing out in the Acts of the Apostles. So, you know, for us, we might, we might ponder this. My hope for each one of us is that we will come to love Jesus, to desire to go to Jesus in our lives, to know him so personally that you can't help but be his instrument in the world. And I think when that happens, we will move from being a parish, from being a Christian uh, that's seeking our own salvation, salvation for ourselves, which, again, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing to, to want to be saved by Jesus and to place ourselves in a place where that can happen. That is a good thing. But then we can shift from, from even that to an even greater awareness, to becoming a parish or a Christian who seeks salvation of others, which is truly what an apostolic church is. That's what we are meant to be as Catholics to not just be concerned for ourselves, but concerned for our neighbor, for our brothers and sisters, for people around us. And not, not that we worry about them, but that we care so much for them that we want to share with them what we have encountered ourselves. So we have these days between now and Pentecost. I know it always looks like we're looking to the next thing, right? In liturgical seasons, we, we go from land to Easter and we're waiting for Easter, waiting, waiting, waiting. We get there and now I'm going to say, let's, let's wait for Pentecost and we'll wait till Pentecost and then we'll have to wait again. But, you know, it's, it's something to just look forward to. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, to help us to grow in this love for Jesus, to call us deeper, to understand uh, how to love him. You look at many of the saints, many of the little saints of the church, St. Teresa, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. John Vianney, St. Philip Neri, St. Faustina, just to name a few. So many other little saints. They are the kind of people who loved God so much that it changed the world. Um, they, they loved God so much that their hearts were on fire with the love of God so much that it converted others just by being in their presence. People saw this love and they asked the question, what is going on in this person's life? So that's my desire for myself, for you, for all of us, that we can share this great love for Jesus over and above everything else in our lives.